Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I just want to share with you this morning. Uh, last week, Pastor spoke a word to this church, and it was amazing. I mean, I, did it speak to anybody's hearts today? Or last week, amen, it was amazing. He was talking about what's that I hear. And he was talking about even though sometimes the noise in our life can be so loud and like, like the white noise on his phone, remember that? That, that, you, that maybe we don't hear it sometimes, but the voice of the Lord is always singing over us, right? That we really listen and we hear it, that you can hear the voice of the Lord singing over you. Well, this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what's that he hears. I want to flip it around and ask him today, hey God, what is it that you hear from Parkway Life Church. What is it? Because I think it's time, even though that God is singing a song, that maybe we join in that choir and we let our voice and we let our heart and we let our life be worship. Amen. I want to speak to you today on what's that he hears. I want to know today, and as you stay standing, we're going to read this scripture out of Psalms 101 through 5. It says this. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with sadness. No, what? With, with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know this. Know that the Lord is our God. It is he who made us. And we that, that's huge right there. We are his. I mean, he's daddy. He takes care of us. We're his children. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Say, bah. Oh, no, no. Okay. Uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It, it doesn't just say his just enter into his church with thanksgiving just enter into his enter into his gates that's wherever you may be with thanksgiving and his course with praise giving thanks to him and praise his name say this with me read it with me for the lord is what for the lord is what for the lord is what even though my situation may not be good the lord is good and his love endures just for a short while his love endures just for today. His love endures forever, and his faithfulness continues through all generations. Can we give a little praise to Jesus Christ real quick? Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We want to welcome all our guests. If this is your first time, the pastor, the really good guy, will be here next week. I'm just here this week. He is on vacation, and I'm glad that we have a pastor that goes get some rest every once in a while. He needs it. So, so he'll be back uh, next this Wednesday and then next Sunday. So uh, be here for that. But I, I want to talk last week. Last week was what's that I hear. It's us sound, hearing, hearing the sound of God. But I really want to take this, this Sunday and ask God, what is that that you hear? What's that he hears? And, and to start off, before we get going, I want to start off, we got to understand a few things. I want you to understand here today that everyone in this room is a worshiper. 
Everyone in this room is a worshiper. I know there's some going, not me. No, no, no. Everybody in this room is a worshiper. Everybody on this world is a worshiper. Everybody walking the face of the earth is a worshiper. Every one of us, we worship something. You, you may not think, no, 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 not me. I mean, I like coming to church. I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about the song we just sing. It, it's, it's bigger. It's bigger than that. I'm, I'm talking about every day, all day long, whether you know it or not, everywhere you go, every breath you take, you're, you're worshiping. You, you are worshiping. You, me, we're all worshipers. We're all worshipers. And, and before we get going too much further, I want to explain something to you. What really worship is. Because a lot of people think that worship is clapping your hands and lifting your hands and singing your, your, with your voice. And, and yes, that is a part of worship. But it's such a small part of what worship is. Worship is so much bigger than that. Because this is what worship is. Worship is this. Worship is our response to what we value the most. Say that with me. Worship is our response to what we value the most. Notice I didn't say it's our response to Jesus Christ. Worship is your response to what you value the most. That's why I say you are a worshiper. You are a worshiper. We, we all have it. We, we, we all have that object or that, that, that thing that we love so much. I mean, that thing that we really put first in our life, right? That, that, that thing that matters to us more than anything else in this world. That we have that object, that thing that is, that is at the top of our priority list, that relationship. That, that dream we have, that, that dream of that, that, that status that we want to get to, that, that, that desire, that job, that boat, that lake. <laughs> Salt or fresh? I mean, I'm, I'm, that, 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 that mall, you know, that store, that truck, that vehicle, that TV show that you are just not going to miss. You, you know, we all have that thing that we value the most. It, it matters the most to you. And really, that is what you worship. Because worship is our response to what we value the most. We're all worshipers. You see, worship is our response. But it's our response to what we value the most. And today I want to talk to you about what real worship is. About what worship is. And, and I want us to understand this before we go any farther. You all do it. We all do it. We worship something. Whether it's Jesus, whether it's some, we, we worship something. And, and, and this is what I want to talk to you about. Because, because it really doesn't matter the the quality of your worship. It's not about the quality of how loud or how big or how soft or, or the quality of, a, of your worship that I'm talking about today. What, what I want to talk to you about today is the quality of your object of worship. I don't want to talk to you about the quality of worship because God thinks, I mean, even God thinks even with a small voice or, or a little bit of worship or a light, it really doesn't matter your quality of worship. What I want to talk to you is the quality of your object of your worship, the quality of your object of worship. And the question that I want to start off with is, 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 is 
I want you to think about today is not whether you have this high level of worship. But what I want you to think about is what you are worshiping and what your object of your worship is. See, that this world is filled, filled with high levels of worship. I mean, if you're a Republican, you're, oh, I'm a Republican. And if you're a Democrat, I'm a Democrat. And I mean, woo, whatever that is. Or, or maybe, you're, maybe you're a Longhorn fan and you're like, yeah, and you're awesome. And, and then maybe you like those Aggies. Or maybe you like the, the Tigers or, yeah, even the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I'd get you today. I mean, it's, it's this singer or that singer or this type of music or that type of music. Or me, it's, it's that restaurant, right? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Tree, for coming to Texas. I mean, coming to Lumberton, Texas. We get some steak now around here. I mean, it's this restaurant or that restaurant, or it's, it's working that 80 hours on the job, or it's, it's working and spending the most of your time, or where, we're, where you're spending the most of your effort on, on this and that. And in fact, if you really think about it, the best worship today is not in churches. The best worship today in this world that we live in is in concerts or at football stadiums. That is the best worship houses. It is the best wor- houses of worship in, in the world that we live in. It's, it, it's, it, it's, it's in concerts or sporting events. And in these society we live in, these are our biggest houses of worship. While people just try to make it through an hour and a half church service. And, and don't get me wrong before I go any farther. I mean, I love the Longhorns. I mean, I remember when they won the national championship a long, long time ago. And I'll be celebrating next year when they win the national championship. And I like to watch the Aggies play. And I will watch the the Tigers landing. And I will, well, the Longhorns did beat the Bulldogs last year. That's all I remember. I, I, I mean, I remember when the Astros, I remember when the Astros won the World Series. I mean, if you would have been in the room with me, you're like, whoa, dude, calm down. I mean, I was, I was doing a train, like, woo, woo, every time they hit a home run, I would make a lap in the room. <laughs> Not that that's wrong, because I love to celebrate wins in every area of our life. But where is my object of my worship? What, what is it that I worship? What is it that I value the most? Because that is where my worship goes. I'm not talking about celebration because I celebrate everything. I celebrate everything. You get a new car, I want to celebrate with you. You get a new house, I want to celebrate with you. The Astros win the World Series, I want to celebrate with you. When my kids were born, we celebrate. I just think every day should be a celebration. I'm not talking about celebration. I'm talking about what is it that you value the most? What is it that you value the most? Because that's where your worship is going. So so before we go, I want to first understand this. What what is it? I want to answer a few questions. What what is it that we value the most? What is it that I'm worshiping? And, And I'm fixing to throw a few questions on the screen. And as you go through these questions, I want you to answer them, not out loud. But as you go through these questions... I want you to answer them in your own mind, every one of these questions. And when you get to the end of it, and you get to the end of these questions, you're going to understand what it is that you really worship. So go ahead and throw these, these, these questions on, on, my, on the screen. I mean, where, where is most of my affection? 
Where do I spend most of my time or who with? Where, where do my emotions, my greatest emotions, where do my emotions belong the most? What, what do I place most of my energy into? Where is my treasure going? My time, my money, my checkbook, where, where is my treasure going? And then where is my loyalty? I, I mean, what is that thing that, that, that I'm the most loyal to? Like, if it's happening, I, I'm there. And, and really, when we answer these questions, we will begin to see what it is that we worship. Where does most of my affection go? Where do I spend most of my time? Where do my emotions belong? What place does my energy go into? Where is my treasure going? And where is my loyalty? And when we come to the answer of these, these questions, you're going to understand this is where my worship goes. This is my object of my worship. And I, I want to tell you, it's not any different today than it was in, in the Bible when, when, when Paul is walking around Athens one day in Acts chapter 17 and 22 through 31. He, he sees the same thing. I mean, there was forms of worship all over in Acts 17, 22 through 31. So Paul took his stand in the open space at the Areopagus and laid it out for them. It's plain to see that you Athenians take your religion seriously. I mean, understand this, Roman gods, religion, all, all these kind of things that, that they were worshiping in those days. And, and Paul says, when I arrived here the other day, I was, I was fascinated with all the objects of worship that I came across. And then I found one inscribed to the, to the God nobody knows. And Paul says, I'm here to introduce you to this capital G, God, so you can worship intelligently and know who you're dealing with. The God who made the world and, and everything in it, and this master of sky and land, he, he doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him as if he couldn't take care of himself. He, he makes the creatures. It wasn't the creatures that made him. And starting from scratch, from, from nothing, he made the entire human race and, and everything in it and made the earth hospitable, forming the, the gravity and forming the air and forming everything around and making the earth hospitable and, and with plenty of time and space for living. Why? Why? So we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. And, and he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's, he's very near. He's right here. He's in this room today. We live and we move in him and we can't get away from him. In fact, one of your poets said it well. We are the God created well, if we're the God created, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think we could hire a sculptor to chisel a God out of stone for us, does it? And God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. But that time is past, Paul said. 
The unknown is now known, and he's calling for a radical life change. That's what I want to talk about. What is it that he hears today? Is he hearing our worship every day, or is he seeing us as we worship other things? Because he's calling for a radical life change. He's calling for a life of worship, because that is really what worship really is. It's a lifestyle. See, there's, there's nothing that can even compare to Jesus Christ, right? I mean, all the things that I talk about. Yeah, we've got a, a, a new steakhouse in, in Lumberton, and, and I love that we have that. But that doesn't compare to what Jesus Christ did for me. I mean, I celebrate the Astros, and I love the Houston Astros. And, and when they win the World Series, I'll be celebrating. But, but, but is that where my worship is going? Is that what everything that I, I have goes to? Because they've really never done anything thing for me. It was Jesus Christ, the one that made the earth, the one that made the gravity, the one that holds the earth in his hands. It is him and him alone that deserves my worship, that deserves my praise because all the things that he's done for me. You see, I I don't want Jesus just to be a part of my Sunday. I don't want Jesus just to be a part of my Wednesday. I want him to go every second of every day. And every day I want him to go, hey, what is that I'm hearing from the life of Brandon Pippen? What is that that I'm hearing from the life of Parkway Life Church? What is that I'm hearing on an everyday basis? I don't want him just to be a part of my life. I want him to be my life. I want my life to be about him. See, I want to know, I want to know, I want want him to know that he is what I value the most. The one who's done so much for me. I want him to know that it's him that I value the most. Everything else is okay, but it's not what I value the most. See, see, this is what I want to say. We, We get worship all wrong. I've already said it once, but I want to repeat. We think that worship is what happens on Sunday. We, we think that worship is singing, and we think that worship is raising our hands and, and clapping. And, and, and yes, that is a form of worship. That is a form of worship. But, but it goes a little deeper. I mean, God's not just interested in what he hears from 10 to 1130 on Sunday. He's interested on what he's hearing on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday or a Monday morning at 8 o'clock. He's interested to, to what he's hearing during those t- times because worship is, is, is more than that. I'm, I mean, I, I love to worship. I love to praise. I love to come in here and sing songs and, and, I, and to give everything I have. But that's not where it stops. It goes into Monday. See, it's how we live our lives for Christ. Worship is your lifestyle. Worship is how you live your life. It's how you look at things. It's, it's when you wake up on Monday morning and it, is, it a, is it, man, I've got to go to work today? Or is it a thank God I get to go to work today? It, it's the attitude that we have. It's, it's how we, we treat our wives or our husbands. It's how we treat our kids. It's, it's forgiving someone that did me wrong. It, it's being kind to my neighbor. It's loving people. It's appreciating the blessings in this life. It's loving people. It, it, it's going to work on Monday and smiling. It, it's more than this that happens in here. It's a lifestyle. And when you really look at what your lifestyle is, is your lifestyle saying, God, I value you the most. 
When we look at it to the depths of our life and we think about it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, are we saying, God, I value you the most. You are amazing because that is what our worship is. It's our lifestyle. It's living it according to the will of God in our life. It's what we do in every day. This, in fact, I want to explain it just a little deeper. Because I've already talked about it. It, it. It's our response. It's our response. It's, it's our response. In fact, Paul said this. He said, this is what worship is in Romans 12 and 1. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. I love what the, the message says and how it says it. It says it really clear. It says to take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, and your walking around life, and place it to God as an offering. That is what worship is. That is our true and proper worship. It's not just what we do in here. It's really what we do out there. And what is God hearing when he hears us on an everyday basis? Because that is what worship is. In fact, you know what it is? I've already said it a few times today. I've said it. It's our response. I want to take a portion of that. And look at this scripture real quick because, yes, it is the pro true and proper worship is the last part of that. But the very first of that right there where it says, in view of God's mercy. That is how we worship. In view of God's mercy. So, so worship is not just what we do. It's a response. Worship is a response because if we look back to this part in, in view of God's mercy, what is your response to that? When you look at God's mercy and you see God's mercy and what he's done for you, what is your response to that? That is why we live our life the way we do as a life of worship because it's in view of God's mercy. I want to give my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why? Because it's in view of God's mercy. I see what he's done for me, and now I want to do something for him. Why? Because it's my response to what he's done for me. So let's, let's look. Let's look at God's mercy. When, when, I, when I look at God, at what worship is, it's our response. It's, it's because of his, his mercy. And, and when I get his mercy in my view, I can't do anything but worship. When I really think about his mercy and the things he's done for me, and I really get that in my view, then my life all of a sudden will become a life of worship. Let's look at God's mercy. Let's look at it. See, see, this is the deal. God is a gentleman in the dating life. Remember, guys, when you dated your wife? You went out on that date. You were the, you were the gentleman. I know you're still that, but, but you were the gentleman. You, you were the one that, that opened the doors for your wife or your girlfriend. You were the one that paid the bills. Guys, right here, y'all need to be taking notes. Write this down right now. 
You, you, you were the one that, that, that opened all the doors for, for the girl and let her in. You were the one that cleaned the truck out before you went and picked her up. You were the one that got to the meal. And no, you're not touching that door. Let me get that door for you. You go right in, ma'am. And, and you, you got the seat and you pulled the seat out and you pushed the chair back in. And you're like, oh, would you like me to get this napkin for you? Let me, let me put it right there. And, and you, what would you like to eat? You can have anything on the menu at McDonald's, but, but you can have anything. You can have anything on the menu. You want a steak? They got this thing called a Big Mac. I mean, or you sat down, you got, and then at the end, you, you, you paid the bill. And it was you calling her, right? It wasn't the lady that had to call the guy. Why? Because the guy was the initiator. The, the guy did the work, and it was why. So you wonder why this ugly guy got that hot-looking chick right there. I initiated everything I could for her. And what did she do? She said, my, my, my. She looked beyond the, 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 the exterior and got to the interior and said, ooh, he is good-looking on the inside. It was why, because of my initiation and everything I did, and, and in her view of my mercy, she said, yes. It's God that formed the earth. It's God that breathed the breath of life into Adam, into clay, into mud, and he became man. It was God himself that took Adam's rib and said, he wasn't good enough. Let me make something a little better and make it, whoa, man. I mean, he started forming all, and he put the, earth, put, put, put the galaxies in place and the earth and, and, and all these things that he did when, when we start seeing all these things. He was the initiator, but it doesn't stop there. Now, I would praise him just because of all that stuff, but it was in view of his what? Of his mercy. That wasn't mercy. That was creation. What was his mercy? It was him that said, you know what? I'm going to open the door. I'm going to pay this bill. Maybe you don't get it. Let me explain it this way. Where's Ed? Is Ed, Ed Martin in this room? Come on, run. I know the cops don't like to run, but come on. I, I'm a fireman. Forgive me. I love it. This, this, is, this is a view of God's mercy. He's, he's loving this moment, by the way. I'm sure these, 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 I'm sure these cuffs are fixing to get really, really tight. See, see, we don't understand mercy, but this is mercy. Because you know what? I really wanted to get, I really wanted to get a jumpsuit. I really wanted to get an orange jumpsuit and have him put that on me. But we don't have time for me to get in the jumpsuit. But imagine me up here in a jumpsuit and these chains and shackles. And in fact, the, the, the jumpsuit, you know what it would say on the back? It would say death row. If you really think about it, this if you imagine me up here in an orange jumpsuit and shackles around me and in a prison and, and shackled and chained and in and, and, and something that says death row, headed in a jail, headed to death row, that's really what we deserve. You know why? Because every one of us in this room were born in sin. We are sinners by birth. We are natural born sinners. I'm sorry to share it with you, but that's all of us. And if you really think about it, everything, even if it's tiny little thing to the big things you've done, every one of us would be in this room right now, shackled up in handcuffs, in a jumpsuit, in a prison bars, and our prison suit would say death row. Why? Because that's what we deserve. We did the wrong. We were sinners. We were shackled, and if you look around the room, you would actually see a lot of us like this, shackled, 
held down. Deserving what? Deserving death. We were all born like this. We all deserve the penalty. We all deserve death. Romans 6 and 23 even says it this way. For the wages of sin is death. This is us. This is what we deserve. Not only would we get these things, we'd get the jumpsuit, death row. But God initiated his love to us. He knew we deserved it. But he said, you know what? I love you so much. I'm crazy about you so much that I am going to be the initiator. God will be the initiator. And it says this in Colossians 2, 13 through 15. It says, you were dead because of your sins. You put your name in there. You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God, then God, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us. You, you, you want to get that? Okay, it's good. Uh, uh, I, I need those. He, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away. How did he do it? How did he do it? You know what? I never did this for my wife. I never did this for any girl that I ever dated. I never said, hey, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to die for you to forgive your sins. No, I just paid the bill and we went on and I worked some more to pay another bill. No, Jesus said, I'm going to pay the ultimate bill. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Yes, this is what we deserve. But you know what? God says, my mercy says, I'll pay this bill. I'll pay this bill, and I'll put it on the cross, and we don't have to worry about death. In fact, God took it. He, he took death. He was buried in the, in the tomb, and he rose again. Why? Because he went to hell itself and conquered death, hell, and the grave. So none of us ever have to pay that bill. And now we can live our life in freedom, in total freedom, not, not to pay the bill ever again. Why? Why? Why did he do that? Because he was initiating his love to me. And do you know what? When I see in view of his mercy, that is what I deserve. This is what I should get. But in view of his mercy, what can I do? All I can do is respond, baby. All I can do is say, my, 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 aren't you a good God? Aren't you amazing? Because in view of that, that is why I say I respond with worship. That is why my life becomes worship, because he canceled our debts. He paid the bill with his life, and he freed us from death row. From hell, and he canceled it all. And he said, That is why I respond with worship. It's my response. It's my response to his mercy. It's the why we live our life the way we do. It's it's in view of his mercy. I live like this. I don't have to, but I get to. And that's why I believe God is like. 
Hey, what's that I hear? What? What's that I hear? Is, is that worship? Are you being nice to them? Are you loving that person? And, and are, you raised, are, you, are you responding? What's that I hear, Parkway Life Church? What's that I hear on Monday morning? What's that I hear? It's our response to the one that we value the most. That is what worship is. See, it's bigger than this. It's bigger than what we do in here. It's really what you do out there and in here. It's our response to the one that we value the most. But see, I can't stop there. I can't stop there. See, see, it's more than my response. Worship is more than my response. It's, yes, it's, it's me seeing how good a God he is. And, and worship is my response back to him. But it's more than a response. It, worship is also this. It's your biggest weapon. It's more than just my response and going, my, my, my. And oh, he's so good. It's more than just my response, but it's also my biggest weapon. In 2 Chronicles 20, 15 through 22, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. He said, he said do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I want to tell you this today. The battle you're facing is not yours, it's God's. I want to tell you the things that you've been up against if you're his child. He looks at you and he's saying, hey, that battle's not just yours. I got you, baby. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. He's, because the battle is not yours, but God's. He said, tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. God's wanting to tell you this today. Don't be afraid in your battles. Don't be discouraged in your battles. I know they've been going on for a little while. I know the enemies may have been up against you and life itself may have been against you. But don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. The Lord will be with you. Go out and face him tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. And then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hey, listen to me. Judah and all the people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. I, I love this church. You know why? Because I love the men that aren't afraid to worship God. Amen. I, I, I've been in some churches before and it's just the ladies in there. I love that we got strong men too that love to worship God in this church. He said, after consulting the people, and I love the ladies that sing too, okay? You sing awesome. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing, 
And as they began to praise, or as they got together in the worship service, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Understand this in this story. The people of God, the people of Israel were, were, were in, in a battle, and they were all alone, and there was these three enemies that were coming against God's people. And God said, you know what? He said, this battle's not going to be yours. You know, now some battles in the, in the Bible, God said, hey, you're going to have to go out and fight it. I need David to go out and fight Goliath. I mean, I need these people to go out and do this. But in some of the instances, he says, you know what? He said, this battle's not going to be for you. This battle's going to be for me. He said, he said, he said all you got to do is you just got to begin to worship God. And when they began to worship God, God sent ambushes against the armies coming against his people. In fact, they were on the other side of the hill. The other three armies were on the other side of the hill. They were headed in that direction towards them, worshiping, singing God. And while they were doing that, they weren't even over the hill yet. And all these armies just started fighting each other. And, and every one of them died. When they got over the hill, they looked over and they said, wow. We didn't have to fight this battle. You know what we, all we had to do? All we had to do was start worshiping God and lifting God up. And God began, you know why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. So as they begin to sing and shout and sing the songs and living this lifestyle of worship, when they got over the, the hill, all, that, all those people were dead. So I want to say this. That if you look in the Bible, worship is not only our response, worship is also our weapon. When things are coming at me, and I'm responding to God, and I'm loving God, and oh, it's a pretty day, and God's so good, and everything is amazing, it's easy to praise God. But sometimes things will come against us, right? Amen. Anybody here have things come against you in your life? Sometimes things will come against us, and all we have to do is start worshiping God, keep worshiping God. These enemies were coming, and, I, and what we have to do is continue our worship. In fact, David said it this way, Psalms 149 and 6. He said, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. He said, you know what? He said, my praise is not my worship is not only my response, but my worship is now my, also my weapon. My worship is my weapon. And I want to tell you today that when we begin to worship, we go on the offense against our situations. We start looking at our situations and say, hey, you know what? I know you're tough, but I'm going to shine the light off of you situation for just a little bit, and I'm going to shine the light over here on my God that can handle any situation, and I'm going to tell him how good he is. And all of a sudden, as we begin to worship God, our situation may still be there, but it will also be diminished because we start lifting up God. We see that he is bigger than our situation. Understand this. When we worship, we think it's for God's benefit. When we begin to worship, we think, man, this is for God's benefit. But, but the Bible says that he's an all-sufficient God. I, I mean, everything in him already is, he doesn't need anything. He, he's all-sufficient, meaning that he doesn't need anything. I mean, I mean, God was good before I came on this earth. God was good before you got here, and he's going to be good once we leave. He, I mean, yeah, he, he, I'm sure he likes the worship, but God doesn't need the worship. God is already amazing. He's already God, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. I mean, he was good before we got here. He's going to be good. He, he doesn't need my worship. I want you to understand this. 
I really believe that, that the over 2,000 commands in the Bible commanding us to worship God, over 2,000 times we're commanded to worship God, they're not really for His benefit. They're not for His benefit. They're really for our benefit. It's really for our benefit. See, when we begin to worship God, it shifts our focus off of those situations, off of those armies. I mean, they weren't even over the hill yet, and they were worshiping and praising God. I'm sure they knew what stood across the hill. But they begin to praise God and love God. And, and, and it wasn't for His benefit. Because this is what I want you to understand, and they're going to put it on the screen. Worship is not our obligation. It is our greatest opportunity. See, during these situations, we can look to God and say, you are good. You, you know what? I, I thought about putting this picture up here today because and it reminds me. When we were on vacation a few a month ago, we were in Colorado. You know, last week, pastors showed those waves that's coming in, and, and they're really loud and crashing over, and it's really loud. Well, it reminded me of the story that we were, we were on this rafting trip in Colorado in June. And it was freezing cold at water, like 30-something degrees, right? 40 degrees, that's very cold. I didn't bring the picture because I'm trying to save you from it because we were all in wetsuits. You didn't need to see that. We're all in this, we're all in this, this, this inner tube, and I mean, it's cold water just splashing. And now we're having a time of our life, but we're working, man. We're paddling, we're paddling left and paddling right, and we're we're just we're getting down this this river. And I mean, it's like people are. We didn't ever we didn't ever flip over, but some people were flipping, and I mean it was it was like class fours, I believe, rapids and water splashing over, and it's loud, and we're like splash, splash, and and I got to looking at this picture later, and, and yeah, it was a t there was a few times I was scared for my life, not for my life, but really my my children and my uh, my whole families could be gone right then. Around every curve there was this AED uh, defibrillators, and there was uh, uh, the little baskets that they put you in. I asked the guy, I said why are those on every corner? He said, well, they get used all the time. I'm like, oh, this is great. But we're going down this river and smamming this like, and, and I got to thinking about this is just like life. Just, man, it's just splashing at us. And, and we're just, we're, and, and I got to thinking about it. And I looked at the picture and, and the, the freezing cold water's coming over. And, and we're not cold because we're in the wetsuits. And, and, and we're, we're paddling. And, and, you know, we really thought we were doing a lot of the work until <laughs> I saw the picture. And there's this picture of the, the guide in the very back of the boat. In fact, he looked like Jesus. I always call him Jesus in white sunglasses. I wish I'd thrown the picture. I mean, I, I got to looking at the picture and I saw, man, we're just getting it thinking, man, we're doing good, everything we can. And then I got to looking at the picture and here's the guide. He's in shorts and flip-flops. The water don't bother him anymore. Why? Because he's been in the water before. He understands the water. He's used to the water. And then he's back there and he's really, he's the one going paddle twice on the left, paddle back on the left. He's the one telling us, hey, this is what you need to do. But you know what? Down that whole river, you 
knew who was in charge. Yeah, we felt like we were doing the work. We thought we were doing a little bit here and there, and we were helping out. But it was really Jesus in the white sunglasses, in the shorts and flip-flops that said, hey, the water doesn't bother me. I've been down this river before. You just keep focused on me. We will get down this river. Why? And I started thinking, God's got it all. All I had to do at any moment was turn around and go, God, what do I need to do? And we started paddling. Why? And, and so I, I get back to this story here, that worship is not our obligation. It's our greatest opportunity, even though the life may be hard and the paddling coming against you and different things. Just, just keep your worship. Worship is a weapon. See, Joshua in the, in the walls of Jericho, they worshiped and the walls fell. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were worshiping, and that's what caused them to get put in the fire. But they said this. They said, you know what? We're, you're not going to stop our worship. You're not going to stop my worship. You can throw me in the fire, and, even, and God's going to save us. But even if he doesn't save us, you're not going to take my worship. And they threw them in the fire. You know what happened in the fire? They continued to worship God. They made it through the fire. They made it out. And, and it says that the, even the hairs weren't even singed on their arm. They didn't even smell like smoke. Because why? Because they begin in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the fire, they begin to worship. They continue to worship. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she sees her son about to go to the crucifixion, about to go to the cross, she says this, Mary, is it a hard situation? Mary said, yeah, this is tough. But she said, Mary, she said, my soul does magnify the Lord. Paul and Silas in the depths of a jail, stocks and chains, says at midnight, begin to sing hymns, begin to worship. And they were freed that suddenly there came an earthquake. Time and time again, over 2,000 times, you see in the Bible where worship is a weapon. It's not just my response, but it's what we go to battle with. When life comes at you and gets so hard and you get so down, it's when we look to God and we say, God, you're awesome. And our life starts to lift up again. And today you don't have armies coming against you. You, you don't have the Midianites, or you don't have the, these different armies, these three armies coming at you. But I do know this, that in this room today, you, you've got some oppositions. In fact, I want to bring the first opposition out. Some of you in this room today, you, your, your opposition is fear. Your opposition is insecurity. And it's in the room. Go ahead and push that back. Your, your battle is fear. You're, you're intimidated by something. And something's intimidation. Yeah, it's there. It's in the room. The second thing that you may be battling today, the second, second thing that may be coming up against you, maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's sin. Maybe your opposition today that you've been battling, you can't get over your past. And it's in the room today. 
Maybe it's the next one. Come on out if y'all can come out. Maybe it's a fear, anxiety. Maybe it's loneliness. The big battle a lot of people are facing today is depression. And it's in this room today. And it's up against you. Bring out the next one. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you've got unforgiveness. And it's in the room today. Maybe it's comparison. Thanks, Facebook. Maybe it's envy, jealousy. And it's in the room today. You want to know what church really looks like on a Sunday? It's, in fact, I wish I had 100 balloons. I, had, I ordered six, but Amazon sent five. So I guess they already took care of one of the balloons on the way here. But I know this is silly, but let me tell you. Maybe your enemy is distraction. I know it's very distractive with the balloons, but I wish you could really see. I wish you could really see what it looks like on a Sunday in this room. As hundreds of balloons are really floating around. Why? Because we've got oppositions when we come in this room. And we bring our oppositions, and yeah, it comes in with us. Distractions. Insecurity, addictions, sin, your past, loneliness, anxiety, depression, bitterness, unforgiveness, envy, destruction, whatever in me. You, you put your word on the balloon. And they're against you. Go ahead and uh, Cameron, get them. Cameron, get your group. And this is what it starts looking like. Go ahead and hit them to the front. They're going to capture them. But as you sit here on a Sunday and you come into service and the music begins to play, it's in the room. It's against you. Bring them up here if they, they need them. Bring them up here to the singers. And as the music begins to play, it's up against the sphere. Anxiety, unforgiveness, bitterness, addictions. They're in the room. Racism. Whatever it may be that's trying to take your worship. In fact, sometimes I believe some of these we actually start to worship. Because it begins, we respond to it. And the music begins to play. Distraction and bitterness, they were all up in here. 
imagine really, if you really think about it, thousands of balloons in this room. And then somebody says it's time to worship. Or you're on your job and it's up against you. You're like, man, I remember a song they sang Sunday. And the band begins to pick up and begins to play. And somebody on this side says, you know what? You know what? I, I've been going up against unforgiveness and I've been going up against uh, bitterness and I've been going up against anger. And you know what? They start to sing or they start to worship. What do we say? And then somebody with addictions is in the room. And you're like, I'm tired of those addictions. I love what Brother Goins used to talk about and sing about. He said, I used to sing about my past when I, I was an alcoholic. And he started using his voice to talk about the things that he now is addicted to Jesus and what God did for him as he began to worship. What, did, what, what, what would you say, Carissa? What would you say? Because worship is a weapon. <laughs> it's to beat those things. And, and maybe you're up against the fear. And maybe you're up against the, the, the fear and the anxiety or the insecurities. And you're like, well, what, what do you need to say, Ronnie? Hallelujah. Wait, wait, wait. What? Maybe you need to sing it again. And maybe, maybe you've got envy or comparison, and you're like, oh, so-and-so's better than me, and so-and-so. And you start beginning to lift up the voice of God and start starting comparing yourself not to them, but you begin to compare yourself to Him and the envy and comparison and jealousy. What do you say, Chris? I'll raise a hallelujah. Yeah. And you know what it looks like? <laughs> It looks like a battlefield up here. It looks like a battlefield right here. That was my bitterness. That was my unforgiveness. That is my, that, but, but you know what? It's a battlefield. Why? Because I what? Second Chronicles 20 and 22. Said this, bring it down a little bit, just a second. Second Chronicles, go back to Second Chronicles 20 and 22. And it says, as they begin to sing and praise, as they begin to worship, God set ambushes against fill in that blank. I can tell you this, whatever that blank is in your life, God is bigger than that. And as you begin to turn your focus from that. And as you begin to lift up the voice of God, your voice, you know what God's saying? What, what's that I hear? Oh, what's that I hear? Is that worship coming from Parkway Life Church? What, what's that I hear? Is that Huntsman in Port Natchez? Oh, I think I hear somebody pray. Is that, is that Lumberton High School when, when all these things are coming against our students of the day and a student raises up their voice, Carissa, and what do they say? All of a sudden, they begin to sing praise, and the Lord sets ambushed against your enemy.